Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Warzone listeners, my name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. It is your boy. It is Memphis. I am back. Sorry about last week. Uh, you may notice a little bouncing, a little echo in my voice. I'm back in my studio, uh, but without any carpet. We had a little flood here at the uh, the Memphis compound last week. And uh, due to a work thing, I do not have Jerry tonight. There will be no man of the hour. There will be no man with the power. I was the man without the power last week, but I have a man who's chuck full of NFL power We have an amazing guest kicking off guest season with us. He is a former NFL salary cap guy. He is a fantasy and dynasty enthusiast. He is an avid Ohio State Buckeyes football fan. He's a University of Miami alum, uh, and he is the co-host of Roto Underworld's The Decision Point podcast with Matthew Kelly, a.k.a. The Podfather. It is none other than Anand Naduri. Anand, welcome to the Dynasty War Zone. Hey, Memphis. Hey, everybody out there. Thanks for having me, man. Um, love a lot of the stuff that you put out on Twitter. Um, obviously, it takes a little bit of a while for me to get into the Dynasty scene, so to speak, because most of my experience for a long time was with Redraft, kind of figuring out those values and, and kind of seeing how things are a little bit different you know, in Dynasty land. And it's always fun, right? Because I think that my favorite part of entering that dynasty space so to speak is watching how people value someone because obviously in redraft you're only valuing them for you know 17 weeks so to speak but in uh, but in dynasty you've got you've got a lot longer than 17 weeks to hold on to somebody so it's a whole lot of fun and i'm really excited to get into it thanks for having me no man thank you for joining me and you know uh, we have a mutual friend in common tyler um i always butcher his last name i just call him tyler o he, he produces the Daily Destroyer. He does our DFS show here on the Dynasty Warzone Network. Uh, and you can find that on YouTube. You can find that on podcast. It usually drops, depends on Tyler and Lou. Sometimes they drop it late Friday night. Sometimes we drop it early Saturday morning. Um, when I don't have a studio, sometimes we have to drop it when we can drop it. 
but super appreciative to have you here. And uh, make sure you're following us on YouTube. Make sure you give Anand a thumbs up. Let him know his appearance here was worth it. Help us with that algorithm. So uh, I asked Anand before we hit the record button if he was cool taking care of our super favorite segment, Good People, Bad Tweets. Now, when I ask you if you were willing to join us, did that scare you at all? Because we're going to tear someone down in a nice sort of way. No. Um, cause I, th- I think a big part of the process of getting better at anything is understanding that nobody's going to be right hundred percent of the time. Right. So this isn't an indictment on whoever made the tweet or necessarily what they were trying to do. It's just, you know, even the best process sometimes yields bad results. That is, this is why you bring a guy like, like Anand on. He's so well-spoken. He, he spent time in the NFL working with real salary caps so, so very well stated. Well, this next tweet was not very well. It was the, the gr- grammatically. It was perfect, by the way. Um, <laughs> we love so that. I, I do love that. And it's at Harrison P. Kent. And that is the Twitter handle NFL draft analyst Harrison P. Kent. Mr. Kent went on to write Jerry Rice, comma, laughably ran a four seven one forty would be a practice squad player in today's NFL. A prime rice comma, my algorithm suggests, his algorithms, by the way, his algorithms would suggest would be the 193rd most effective wide receiver today. Rice, enabled by coach and QB talent, was somewhat effective in his, was somewhat effective in his day, but today's wide receivers are are built, are a different breed. Anand, when I read that tweet to you, what comes to mind? Memphis, I think, one, I hope that's a parody account. It might be, it might not be. I'm not sure. But I, I just I don't I don't understand how your process got you there, right? Like I think obviously everybody's trying to advance football analytics and you know give us more interesting data points and numbers and stuff to be interested in, which makes sense, right? Like the the goal for any kind of analytics or any kind of algorithm is to be the best of its kind. And within sports, I think we'd all unanimously agree the best analytics are in baseball because they started first and they've cared about it the longest. Um, What if you have an algorithm that leads you to Jerry Rice being 193rd in anything? uh, Yeah, I, I, I just I don't know how you can how you can defend that process. I hope that 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 has been tweaked since then. But I mean, it's the same process that gives you a Michael Thomas in the second round, right? Like not the most dynamic numbers you've ever seen at the combine, but you know, he just gets open and catches balls. I mean, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I just, I think Jerry Rice succeeds in any era. I don't think that matters a whole lot. There's a really fun stat out there. I'm not sure what exactly the number is, but I think Jerry Rice had a thousand yard season at age 39 or 40. And the the second most receiving yards at that age are Tom Brady with twelve. Like it, it's just, I mean, Jerry Rice is one of a kind. There's no, there's no debating that he's the greatest wide receiver ever. Yes, me. I know that there are people that prefer Moss. There, you know, that go back and forth. But to me, it's always going to be Jerry. I, I was just floored by this because I, I appreciate the intelligence. I'm looking at Mr. Harrison P. Kent the Fourth's Twitter profile. He is the CEO and founder of Kent Analytics. Uh, he went to Harvard, Phi Beta Kappa, fluent in Latin. So apparently, you don't get into Harvard being a dum dum. But this is this is obviously a good person with a bad tweet. And he, if he was looking for engagement, Mister, he got it. This thing's got something like nineteen hundred retweets, 
Yeah, quote 1988 quote tweets, 1400 likes and 173 retweets. So this if he was engagement farming, mission accomplished. I, I just don't think your algorithm is taking into account the manalytics or the 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 work ethic of Jerry Rice. I think people like Jerry Rice, Michael Jordan, Lawrence Taylor. Um, I got football, baseball, um, Derek Jeter. These guys are not going to be denied. I don't care if they played in the 40s, the 70s, the 2000s. You can't put that. You can't put what's inside Jerry Jerry Rice's heart and his work ethic in there. You know, Cooper Cup. I mean, you work with Roto Underworld, the best you know player profiler. It's the best analytics site, way better than a PFF, and that's not a shot. But especially for what we would do with fantasy football, it's fantastic. You wouldn't look at Cooper Cup's profile and think, well, there's the next guy who's going to challenge Calvin Johnson's record for 1,900 yards. But sometimes people just have it like that. And I just thought, man, this is a horrible tweet. If you would, I don't know. It just drove me crazy. One of our patrons, Austin, sent this tweet to me. He's like, this has got to qualify. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I just don't know how you get to that. Man, when I first read the tweet from Austin, I was like this. I didn't know what Austin wanted me to do with it besides get it on the show. So here we go. It was this more than mind-blowing that this, in fact, was the tweet. So um, we'll jump into the body of the show. So for those of you that are not listening to the Roto Underworld Network of Podcast, that's fine. It's a particular cup of tea. It doesn't always appeal to everybody. But I will tell you right now, if you are not listening to the decision point, you you guys usually drop Thursday, Friday. Yeah, so the, the show typically goes live Wednesday. I don't, I'm not sure if it's YouTube, Twitter. Matt takes care of all that. I'm just a guy with an opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, typically it's either Thursday morning or Friday morning that they go live if we've uh, if we've done a show that week. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to the network because I don't want to miss the decision point. I don't want to miss Josh Larkey either. Josh has been on Cody. You're, you're now the third member of the Roto Underworld family to have been on that nice banner that Cody has in the background. I helped him. I hooked him up with my banner guy. I don't even have my banner up. <laughs> but I hooked him up with my so by the way, if you're a podcast or a content creator and you need a banner guy, hit me up in the DMs at DWZ Memphis. I'll get you to my banner guy. Because who doesn't have a banner guy? <laughs> but but the decision point, code breaker, um, uh, what's Josh's podcast? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um it's it'll come to me. I was I, thinking I, God, I'm missing. But it drops on Tuesdays, it late does. Mondays, Tuesdays. And he also does the um, the DFS show with Mike Randall. Mm-hmm. And, and so I listen to a lot of these shows, but you cannot miss the decision point. Anand, what, he worked with a real NFL team. not going to ask you which one, but you worked in the, in the salary cap office of a real NFL team. And you have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to try to fuse real football with fake football. Yeah. And, and what what are the biggest things that you see as someone who's worked inside of an NFL building that 99.99% of my audience and the Dynasty Warzone audience will never see as much as we would all love to? What do you see the difference between the mentality within those buildings and then the mentality within, I want to say average, because if you're listening to a Dynasty podcast, if you're listening to the Dynasty Warzone, if you're listening to Roto Underworld, you're not average. You're right. above average. You're an above average fantasy or Dynasty or football consumer. Absolutely. I don't want to paint you in that bucket, but what would be the difference between your listeners, our listeners, and the people that you used to work with in an NFL front office? 
So I think the biggest difference between the two is optimism, right? Um, in a front office, if you're looking at a player, right, you can, in theory, in dynasty, hold on to somebody waiting for them to break out on the NFL level like they did in college, right? Like you can, if you had a rookie draft where you drafted Austin Eckler because you knew he made the roster for the Chargers and just held and held and held and held and held, right? That was a strategy. Whereas for the Chargers and their actual front office, every single day someone was on the practice squad fighting to take his job as that lifeline on the bottom of the roster. And so that that's kind of a thing that, that as dynasty players, we don't really pay attention to as much and just don't have to, right? Because your goal is to identify talent as it's breaking out or potentially before it breaks out. The job of an NFL GM in a front office is to figure out what is their value, right? And so I think that's starting to make its way into Dynasty where now you're seeing people trade a lot more than it used to happen, right? Week by week, day by day, you see all of these Dynasty trades coming in. And I think it is starting to resemble more of how front offices value players. Like I think as we continue in this Dynasty space and even into Devi, if you're into that, like it, it, it is starting more to resemble what, actual front offices are doing than it did in the past. No, that that's very well said because I, I like the way that you use the word optimism because um, there was a movie once that was called hope floats. So does shit. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that gets you in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, it take lock and just, you know, I've always said clinging on to a mistake just because you spend a lot of time making it gets you in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah, um, and, and I've always been. I'm going to be a year too early than a year too late on a guy. Has it burned me in the past? Sure, it has. Has it served me well? Absolutely, it has. So, as as someone that I listen to regularly, um, can you give me a high level on your thought of dynasty trades in general? Like, do do you when you do a trade in dynasty, or, or when you see a trade maybe posted on Twitter? What are the first thoughts that you're looking for when you look at a trade? So I think this is one thing that obviously carries from dynasty to um, to real life, right? And so I sent out a tweet the other day, I think it must have been a week or two ago, kind of looking at all of the quarterbacks in this 2022 draft class and how having a great pick in the first round of an NFL draft not all of them are created equal, right? Like, given my choice, I would rather have the second pick in next year's draft than the first pick in this one. And that's simply because Bryce Young, CJ Stroud would be better than any of the quarterbacks we have in 2022. And I think Dynasty is starting to adopt that as well, where it's the, okay, now that we have a level below this in terms of Devi, where you have all of these rankings for now players that are in college and going to eventually make it to your Dynasty roster. Now you have this kind of template for, okay, well, I've seen this guy play. I've seen this guy play. I've seen this guy play. I know which year of picks that I need to target. And so maybe you do amass a bunch of 2022 first rounders somehow. You have three or four 22 first round picks. In my eyes, what I would be trying to do is move those for 23s, right? And and it doesn't have to do with what's available to you at the time. It's just you have a much better shot of hitting a home run with, especially if you need a quarterback, 
in 23 than you do in 22, even though the volume of 2022 quarterbacks taken, you know, that by teams that need a starter might be more. Okay. I, I like how you transition the conversation to QB. So this is a, uh, if you played Yahtzee back in the day, you put all the dice in the cup and you shake them up and you roll them out on the table. You see what you see, what you get. That's what, that's how I feel this year's quarterback draft class is going to go. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't think there's so much talent separating these guys. I think this year, and I've always factored. So we were just referring to Mr. Kent's algorithm. I, I've always done my own mixture. I mean, you can take so much from the college data, but the minute you have NFL draft capital, I think those data points are equally as important as what you did in college and what you did at the combine. Who's coaching you? Who are your teammates? Um, do I think Mac Jones would have been as successful as he's been if he had went to the New York Jets and Zach Wilson had went to the – I see you shaking your head, so you're saying no. No. And, and, and what, do you, so you agree. What, what are your thoughts on that when you hear that, that this quarterback class is going to be very landing spot dependent? So Matt and I talk a lot on uh, on Decision Point. We had a, actually a fairly lengthy portion of an episode once where I was talking about how where you're from in the college football landscape matters, right? It's more of an adjustment for a Mac Jones, for a Justin Fields, for a Trevor Lawrence, who had competition that they played week after week where their O-linemen were just better than the guys that they were playing against. Their wide receivers were going to get open against any DB they played against. Their running backs were just better than anybody trying to tackle them. And when you have that kind of disparity in talent, and then that gap shuts so quickly as you go from one level to the next, sometimes it can be a little bit harder for guys that played on these powerhouse football teams, especially a quarterback, to make that jump. Right. Whereas on the other side, you have a flip side of it. If you go get a Nick Saban defensive back, the odds that he has better NFL coaching than he's already had is virtually zero unless you end up in New England. Right. And so you've got to kind of gauge the difference between this player's had his talent maximized at the college level versus this player performed admirably given the coaching and the teammates and, and their surrounding pieces. And there's still a lot more to get out of them. So it's more one's more of a projection and the other one is, you know, what did you do in college? And I think the best example of that in this upcoming class, obviously it's not dynasty related, but is evaluating Michigan's two edge rushers in Hutchinson and Ojabo. Ojabo's got the, the higher ceiling, I think, personally. He just hasn't had it all sort of wrung out of him yet, whereas Hutchinson's a much more finished product. And it, it's hard with these quarterbacks just because there are really – there aren't really any finished products in this class like we had last year, but that's one of the things that you have to look at when you're trying to evaluate. It's difficult to evaluate a Zach Wilson at a BYU and a Trevor Lawrence at Clemson in that same breath, just because what they had around them is so different. No, again, very well said. And and one thing that I learned this at a long time ago at a, a business seminar in Orlando um, the guy's name, I think it was Mike Snow or it was Dennis Snow. He he had worked as a high level executive for Disney, and he wrote some a book or a book on business called uh, Lessons from the Mouse. And one of them was Everything Speaks. It's like if you go in Disney, every so many feet there's a trash can. If a character's out on the the floor or the grounds of the park, they're in a, in a, everything that you see matters. Everything that you do matters, and and that was. I saw this about three years ago, maybe four years ago at a, at a seminar in, in Florida, like I said, 
And I've added that into my dynasty evaluation of players. Where you went to college matters. Your draft profile matters. Your competition you played with matters. One thing that uh, Roto Underworld, and I forget which one of the apps does it, the, uh, the teammate score matters. Everything matters, but so does the coaching staff that you're playing with. No offense to Robert Sala, and it's one of the LaFleurs. I think it's Mike. Mike, Mike LaFleur Mike in, in New York. Mm-hmm. Nothing against those guys, but they probably, as a first-time coordinator and a first-time head coach, don't have as much on the ball as Josh McDaniel and Bill Belichick. Yeah. So, so and, and that's where I factored into my drafts is that I have to look at my roster. Okay, I've already got Josh Allen and I don't know who's a middle-of-the-road court. I got Josh Allen and Derek Carr. So I've got my QB1, I've got my QB2 and a super flex. I can afford to roll the dice on a Zach Wilson on the upside. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had Josh Allen and going into this year, Carson Wentz, who plays for my favorite team, by the way, um, I probably would have wanted to make the safer pick and went with Mac Jones. So all of these things matter to me. It, would you say that's a somewhat indicative of the mindset in NFL offices that everything matters? Yeah. I mean, they're going to take into account everything, right? Like the really well-run front offices are going to call your high school coach and ask them, you know, especially round one, two, three guys, they're going to ask them, how hard did he work before he got to college? Have you seen a transformative difference from when he was in your program to what he is now? Was he always an alpha, a leader of men, you know, the hardest worker on your team, even though he was the best player? They're using all of that stuff in combination with your college stats, talking to your college coach, talking to other players you played with. There's a lot that goes into an evaluation. And it just goes to show you, as much as people miss on dynasty picks, there are some glaring first-round misses by front offices too after doing all of that research. So it's definitely not an exact science. And I think that's one thing that they do have in common where, you know, even after asking all the questions, crossing all the T's, dotting all your I's, you're still waiting for the, oh, wait, but there's this that you never ever find out about or have any chance to know. You can only know what you, what you put time into knowing, right? And if there's something to find, odds are you're going to find it. But, you know, there's stuff that goes unnoticed all the time. All right. Well, while we're talking rookies, let me ask you this. So you're in some dynasty leagues. Mm-hmm. And we have startup season around the corner. I'll ask you a couple of startup questions here in a minute. Um, rookie drafts. Now, with your knowledge of what you know about these prospects, would you prefer your dynasty league draft these rookies before the landing spot or after the landing spot? So do you want to do your dynasty league draft before the NFL draft or after? I prefer after just because if you end up with someone uh, – like I'll go back. I think it was 2020, 2019. Uh, James Morgan out of FIU was a guy that I liked a lot, but I think he got drafted to the Jets and the, the landing spot just completely tanked. Not only my opinion of, you know, what he could be as an NFL quarterback, but also the value of the pick that, you know, would have been required to take him. So I think doing it after is more, I guess, true to what you're trying to do, but doing it before adds an element of fun. No doubt. Uh, personally, I would rather have the information. I'd rather do it after. Yeah. Any puzzle, any game of chance is you're better competing if you have more information. But 
part of doing what we do. It, I, that's why I love doing mock drafts. So we'll be st- we'll be starting very soon. Uh, Dallas has the first episode of the rookie rundown. I've already got the file. It'll be up on Monday. Let's see, that'll be the tenth. So Monday the tenth, I'll have the first episode that Dallas recently recorded of the rookie rundown, and then we'll move the rookie rundown to Tuesday. And we'll start doing what we call mock draft Monday. Maybe we'll get you back on. You can do a rookie mock with us. Sure. Uh, it, it, people, we, we love to mock draft. First of all, we'll draft anything. Um, the the fantasy footballers they do it with their spitballer show where they they draft movie characters. We, we we've drafted food. I mean, we we've drafted everything. But yes, I agree. Now, as someone who follows the draft process, mock drafts, and everything really closely, and a lot of people do. I think I would have a better shot than the layman, and I know you would for sure, than the layman of drafting our Dynasty League before the NFL draft. But if you, the best time, if, if you're a hardcore Dynasty gamer, which you're listening to a podcast again, you are, the best time to get your league to do your draft is literally the Sunday after the NFL draft is over. Because you've already done all your research, you know all about the, the prospects, you know about the landing spot now, and boom you're ready to draft. That's my absolute favorite way to draft. Yep. I see you, see you nodding your head. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right around the right window, right? If, if you've got people doing chaotic stuff, I understand if you can't just immediately get to it that Sunday. But sometime in that week after, before they get into the, into the stadiums and you hear about practice reps and all that stuff, right? Because the thing is you want to have information, but you don't want to have all the information. I don't think... You, there, there, there's a give and take there where you have enough of an information about the landing spot and how they're going to be used, but you don't have, you know, initial practice reports and OTA information and mini camp stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think as as quickly after the NFL draft as you can is probably that sweet spot where you have enough information, but not so much that that it's it's already defined. Yeah, the the, the longer you wait to have, so if you have control of your draft or you want to get things going because you're going to be listening to the dynasty war zone and you're going to be listening to the decision point with an Anand and and Matt, then you want to get your drafts. Hey, just suggest that. Hey, let's just get this over with because if it's, if it strings out into June or July, all of your league mates are going to finally get off their ass. They're going to start listening to Matthew Barry and they'll know some of the names. And then there goes your, your edge. If we learn anything from Vegas, you, that, that little bit of house edge is what makes it the difference. So you've talked quarterbacks for me. Um, and, and you did mention a, another wide receiver prospect, but who are your, in, in the show doc, I sent you, I said biggest, but who are your three favorite, who are three draft uh, eligible players in 2022 that maybe you're intrigued by, you think are going to be a hit. Just give us three names and a quick, you know, paragraph on each. Um, the, the quarterbacks, if you follow me, if you've heard from me before, Matt Corral is my favorite. Um, he's a very interesting quarterback. He's definitely a high upside, you know, very, very intriguing prospect. Would I take him in the top 10 if I'm an NFL team? Probably not, but I don't think anybody's worth the top 10 pick in this draft. So I'm very interested to kind of see where he lands. Obviously, you know, Ole Miss, very, very prolific offense, but kind of the knock on him is how much of his production was based on the offense and how much was him. Um, in the wide receivers, obviously, you know, all of my Buckeyes and Wilson Alave, but Traylon Burks is, I, I know we talked about him earlier. He's going to blow up the combine. I mean, he's just going to do absolutely ridiculous things at the combine and be that very, very high riser. Um, 
And then I think, you know, the, the, the other one for me, and especially in that wide receiver area is, is David Bell of Purdue, right? It's, he's got a very interesting profile build where if he goes to the right team, especially kind of in that second round of the draft, I think that he could have more value as a fantasy player than uh, some of the guys taking kind of in the bottom half around one top half around two, just based on his landing spot. So those are the kind of the three guys that I'm looking at. Obviously he's also going to do great stuff at the combine and, and kind of that, that senior bowl combine time is kind of going to give shake out a little bit of, of where we're going to have all these players ranked. But those are kind of the three guys that I'm really looking at. All right. So, so I, I did mention the open, you are an avid, not just a fan ladies yeah, yeah. and gentlemen, an avid fan of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, let me put you on the spot. So I think I'm a little bit older than you. I'm same age as Matt, give or take a year or two maybe. But my, I think the most underrated wide receiver of that era was Marvin Harrison. I believe he had eight straight, uh, 10 touchdown, 1,000-yard seasons in a row. Now, some of those were as many as like 1,515. Hall of Famer. Um, g- give me a little something on his son, Marvin Harrison Jr. Had to step up in the bowl game against Utah because uh, your boy Alave and uh, Garrett Wilson have already opted out and then, or I guess opted into the draft, but opted out of the bowl game. Yeah. Give me your thoughts on and I know he's a true freshman, if I remember correctly, but yeah. I absolutely loved, loved watching Marvin Harrison. Very understated guy, um, especially for a guy who played in the era of T.O., and Chad Johnson and Randy Moss and a very a very large group of outspoken wide receivers. What are your thoughts on uh, Marvin Harrison Jr.? So I loved his dad's game. Obviously one of my favorite receivers ever. I think he should be ever, one of everyone's favorite receivers ever just because he was super understated in what he did and just showed up again and again and again, even especially in the biggest moments. So you love that he comes from the lineage of that. And obviously we saw what Smith and Jigba did all of this year, but especially in that bowl game. Um, all I heard all off season was just wait until you guys see Marvin Harrison. And obviously he was a four star and the two guys behind him and Emeka Buka and God, the, the other one's name is escaping me, but those two are, are five stars and he jumped them already. And he is going to be the number two receiver at Ohio state next year. Um, I think the thing that you love about him is steps into a big game. First start ever immediately is the Rose bowl. That's a really tough ask of anybody. Um, and to play as well as he did really speaks volumes about what he's going to be and what he already is, which he's already really, really good. Um, and he's only going to get better two years, two years in. I, I have a feeling he's probably not going to be a guy that stays for his senior year at Ohio state. I think he's probably going to be another one of those, you know, uh, first round or even top of second round picks, but man, what, it, what just, what an entrance for him. And and we love seeing his game. We, we love having him on campus and a fun fact for you. When CJ Stroud goes to the NFL, Kyle McCord, the five-star true freshman that's behind him, was actually Marvin Harrison Jr.'s quarterback um, out of Pennsylvania. And so that's going to be a fun thing to watch, you know, watching the uh, high school teammates go at it again. Well, first of all, for all you Debbie and Canton to campus gamers, you want to take a note of that, you know, that you, you know, because that backup quarterback was part of the reason the one young man with the sweet, sweet mullet went Quinn, back to Quinn Ewers, yeah. Thank you. He went back to uh, he went back to Texas. Yep. And, and so these are the kind of names that as you go into your rookie drafts, which for you Debbie players will include these Debbie players, 
These are some key what we call here on the show writer downers. You want to write, what was that quarterback's name again? Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., that cat's out of the bag. He's probably already <laughs> rostered in your daily yeah. league uh, just off name value alone. But Kyle McCord is a name you've got. And let me ask you a quick question because this, this conversation is kind of spiraled, but I'm having a good time. Is there a more undervalued, underutilized, undermentioned position coach in the NCAA than Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes? My goodness. You go back to my, one of my personal favorites, Terry McLaren. You mentioned Michael Thomas. We got Alave. We got Wilson. Marvin Harrison, the one guy who's got the hyphenated name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Yeah. Is there a more underutilized, underappreciated position coach in the NCAA than Brian Hartline? I think so. When you're trying to evaluate a position coach at the college level, it's really two things. One, can you recruit at the level necessary to keep your program afloat when guys like Olave and Wilson do opt out of bowl games? You know, like it, it's going to happen. It's going to start to happen more often as NIL kicks in and these kids start to make huge money and make financial decisions for themselves like the adults that they are and the adults that they should be paid to be. Right. I think we all agree that these kids have earned that keep. And I think in navigating all of that, what Heartline has done so well is say, Hey, look, if you come in as a four or five star prospect, not only am I going to get you to the NFL, I'm going to get you drafted high and I'm going to get you opportunities to get on the field early. We're going to put you on special teams early in your career. I'm going to give you opportunities to return punts. We're going to get you out there as much as possible. So some NFL team can see, hey, Ohio State's got three first round wide receivers in Olave, Wilson, and then probably Smith and Jigba next year, right? But but they're trusting Marvin Harrison on third down and goal. They're trusting Emeka Buka to do this. They're trusting Travion Henderson to do that, right? And so as a receiver coach, one of the big things that I think people overlook is how do you take five-star talent and make them better so that they're ready to, to do what a Justin Jefferson did in his rookie season, a Jamar Chase did in his rookie season, or a Michael Thomas did in his. Because it's there's no there's no hiding, you know, how good these players are when they come to campus as highly recruited as they are. The question is, can you get that last gear out of them? And I think he's been better than anybody else in the country at doing that. What he's done in the last couple of years is absolutely insane. If you haven't looked, just go look at the the depth chart for Ohio State wide receiver wise in the last three or four years and then going forward. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, I think Heartline started there in 2016. That feels right. Clo if not, I'm close. Yeah. Just go back and look at the wide receivers that have come out of Ohio State since then and look at what's going forward. The, the man is a blessing. If you uh, if you worship in scarlet and gray, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a couple of rapid fire because startup season's right around the corner. Yeah, we have a we have a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. I am I'm very proud of myself. the The season ended last night. We're recording this on a Tuesday. I've already got one third of the league winners and runners up paid. Uh, my goal is to have all twelve taken care of by the end of the week. Go me. And uh, so, but, but they're already, you know, itching, right? You hear that, that scratching yep. at the door. Hey, Memphis, when are we going to do some more startups? Let me get last year's winners paid first. Then, yeah. then like we'll start talking startups. So startup season right around the corner, everyone's going to have the itch. Now, are you a win now guy? Are you a productive struggle where maybe you skip a year, you stock up on young guys and draft picks? 
or, or do you just kind of wait and see like what draft position? What are your initial just quick thoughts on, on a startup? I think the biggest question that you need to answer in a startup is you have to look at everything objectively, right? If you could draft at every slot in that startup, maybe go three, four rounds deep before you obviously have to get to kind of depth and other, and other things. But if you look at that and say, Hey, who most closely aligns with what I think I would have done in their slot? Who do I think personally had the best draft out of their slot, especially in a startup? I think judging your own roster against whatever you think that is. If you think that's yours, great, right? But if you don't, just because you got picked off a couple of times or because you know somebody just did very strongly at a position of need, whatever the case may be, I think objectively you can look post-draft and be like, and, and kind of give yourself a, should I go all in this year or should I wait and kind of see how my team does and then make some in-season trades? I'm personally more of a let's go for it all from the beginning so that people come to you and, you know, everybody wants. And look, if this is true in the NFL, too. Everybody wants a piece of a championship team and their value is never going to be higher than when you win a championship. Realistically speaking, unless you have unless you won a championship with Cooper Cup last year and then you got it and then you kept him into this year. Right. Like unless that's unless you have one of those kinds of cases, typically their value is never going to be higher than when you win a championship with them. So. I'm a big fan of the uh, try to win a championship and then sell high in that post championship window. If you think for some reason that they're not capable of repeating it again, you're worried about injuries. You're worried about a backup. You're worried about a coaching change, whatever it is. Um, but that's typically how I like to do things. If you, I think if you have a shot, you go for it, right? Like, you know, we had a whole lot of teams that definitely were not the best team for 17 weeks of the season, winning it in week 17. So, uh, this year is is kind of the proof that, you know, and I know not every year is going to be like this year. There were a lot of opt-outs and stuff like that. But I think this year is, is proof that, you know, even struggling teams that struggle early can be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, my biggest, you know, thing with, with, with a startup is you're drafting with an intent. Go in there. Now, plan, have a plan. Plans change. A certain player's on the board. Maybe you have to zig or you zag. Maybe there's a startup trade that you weren't anticipating landing in your lap. So it's cool to adjust your plan on the fly, but at least walk in with a plan. Yeah. Cause like, like I've, like I've told some of our patrons like, if you're doing a startup and it's, and it's a one QB, so you're drafting wide receivers and running backs in the first round. If you draft Devonte Adams or you draft Tyreek Hill, you have committed to trying to win now because you're not going to be able to trade them out of season for what they're worth because they're 28, 29 years old. And if you're drafting that as the cornerstone of one of your startup picks, you have made a declaration. You have declared that by drafting Derrick Henry would be another one. I have to win the championship this year. And then your draft should be tailored and you make decisions and you may, you may have to pivot because maybe you get blown up in the draft, but at least come in with a plan. I, I I'm with Anand. I'm a win now guy. I'm a big fan of winning now. Um, because we know, because if you win the league in the first year or in the first two years, let's say the buy-in's $50. I think that's a very common buy-in across the dynasty and fantasy landscape. Let's say the buy-in's $50 and first pay place is $350. Well, you got your 50 bucks back, and then you're on basically a free roll for the next six years because the, the, the additional $300 pays your entry, in theory, if you have good bankroll management skills. It pays for your your league for the next six years. Then you can kind of do whatever. 
But if, if you don't have a plan and you get this thing blown up and going sideways, you could be pouring money into this thing, never knowing when you're going to be able and, and, and you're having fun. But I play to win and I play for money. So I, I'd like to give my myself, at least in the near future, the best chance to do both. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you this, and then I'm gonna ask you about one a uh, couple of veteran players. Okay. What is your best piece of startup dynasty advice you would give to our listeners? Like, what's one thing? Like, like for me, it's having a plan. Also, I always print off Mike Clay. He does his dynasty rankings. I really don't care about his rankings, but what I love about Mike Clay's is that a they're easily printable. I'm old fashioned. Yeah. And they have all of the players' year and month of age at the start of the next season. So, hey, he's 27 in five months or, or whatever it is. And then I create my own tiers. Mm-hmm. Those are a couple of my best uh, pieces of, of startup advice. What are a couple of yours? Number one, especially when you talk about startups, is you need to think about season one particularly, right? Because in a startup, everybody wants to look to the future and, and think, you know, hey, what are we going to do? In season two, three, four, five. Oh, I have Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be great later. You know, like a, a lot of the thought process of, of a startup is in the future. One piece of advice that I would give out is it's not a bad idea to start fast because everything's for sale. If you start winning week one, two, three, four, five, and you have someone productive and you can, you know, gain a, a second round pick the following year from somebody who you spent a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round pick in in developing, right? Not only did he help you win early on, but also you've gained another asset in the future that you could potentially flip into something else. You could trade for a player that you think has a little more upside than the guy that you gave up. It's all about amassing quote unquote uh, draft capital chips, whatever you want to call them. I think that it's interesting to see how people do it. My personal approach is I want to start as fast as possible so that I can get, I can maximize value quickly and maybe a fifth round pick that I made in a, in a startup is now worth a round one pick. And that's a good time to sell. I love it. I I absolutely love it. I'm going to hit you with a a question. Mike is one of our most loyal YouTube followers. He follows every live stream we do. So Mike, what's up? Um, He wants to, it's a great question to ask. Do you prefer rookie picks in the draft? Or do you just prefer everyone has their future picks? Like, do you prefer the 101 being there? Do you prefer like all the rookie names to be in there? What are your thoughts on rookies and startups? I think that the, that the rookie name should be in there. And I think, I think the more information you have, the better. Um, obviously, like we were saying, the further off you delay that and, and the longer it takes you to get your actual rookie draft done is, is a little bit of a di- different thing. And it's obviously league by league, but I'm a, I'm a much bigger fan of having as much information as possible. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take the neutral ground and I'm going to say if you're, cause, cause startups are going to start in February, at least yeah. they are at the Patreon over at dynasty Warzone's Patreon. But I would say up until about the NFL draft, we will just put the picks themselves in the draft room. So you can draft the one Oh one, you can draft the one Oh two. And I've done drafts like that where a GM okay. will, will, will leave the league with right. four first round picks and a bunch of young players. They're doing the productive struggle. Jerry, my normal co-host is a big fan of that. Yeah, uh, some some people ignore them entirely and then or they'll trade there. So in this case, you'll be drafting 2022 20, first and seconds and thirds. But so they'll trade potentially their future first to try to get back into the rook. It happens every year. But yeah. once the NFL draft is over, just put the player. If you're doing a startup, say, yeah, May 15th. 
Yeah. Just put the, just put the, just put the name in, in there. And, yeah. And, and you draft them where you think they're worth compared to Cooper Cup or Derrick Henry or, or, or what have right. you. So, um, yep. all right. Um, and if you're not following Anand on Twitter, he's at N-A-N-D-U-R-I-N-F-L. He is a tremendous follow, especially if college football's going on, if pro football's going on, if life's going on. He, it's, um, you, you want to pronounce it better than me? Yeah, it's uh, Nanduri NFL. So, you know, we have I, a fun time over there. I try not to take it too, too it, seriously. It will, it will be in the show notes. It will be yeah. in the show notes. You can hit pause on this podcast. You can go in there. Um, and I will be retweeting him if you're following me at DW. One of my absolute favorite follows. Um, puts many a smile on my face in the NFL. So, <laughs> so we. First of all, anyone who knows me knows I say nothing that I don't want to because I'm too damn old and I'm not going to conform. You are <laughs> you are a true blessing of a follow on Twitter, and everyone should be following you. Um, I want to talk about a couple of veterans. Give me a couple of veterans that, whether they fit your dynasty build or not, just a couple of guys that you love. And they're always going to be on your roster if it makes sense, or maybe not. I think when you look at how much money, like actual money, has been invested into the the, the kind of high tier of running backs that we had going into this year, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, I'm always going to target a guy that a team has a big financial investment into. The reason is they're not going to take him off the field um, unless they need to, you know. The Browns are not actively going to avoid Derek, or I, sorry, are not going to actively avoid giving Nick Chubb the ball. The Titans are not going to actively avoid giving Derrick Henry the ball. Same with Carolina and Christian McCaffrey. Whereas if you take someone in that tier below, right, there are questions about whether Fournette's the guy when there's a Rojo, and you know, there's there's just a lot of of guys out there that you could have that are very productive for a season or for two seasons, but the going forward, you have very little to no faith in. So I'm a fan of running backs that have gotten their second contracts that people that have kind of passed that age apex where people like sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Obviously long-term you want to sell them, but if you can be a buyer when people are selling at rates that just don't make sense, those are my favorite players to pick up. Guys that in redraft you would have easily in your top 10, but that for some reason dynasty players want to move off way too early. No, and, and that is uh, very well said. I, I've covered this actually a lot recently with the patrons. It's that if you were going to sell Cooper Cup, you, you've missed your window. The season's over because he went from a legit game changer dominator to now he's just going to be a wide receiver who's going to be 29 in the offseason. Yep. He no longer serves you value. So if if you're a contender, you know, wait, or you're going to be a contender next year, wait a couple of let, let, let the mo let the recency bias cool off, then go try to get Cooper Cup for one first. Because you're not getting Cooper Cup for uh first. Not right now. Not when someone's going to point to what he recently did. Yeah. But but when you let that market cool a little bit and it's May and he can't put any fantasy points in in your lineup then he won't be worth as much. But in season next year, it goes right back up. Rookie picks are the exact opposite. You start trying to buy rookie picks right now, you're dead in the water. Yeah, You're, ab you're absolutely dead in the water because the value is going to go up every day until your rookie draft, and then those players will cool off. Well, listen, man, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Again, remind these people what you're doing, 
uh, your Twitter handle, and anything else you'd want them to know, whether it's Roto Underworld related or not. Yeah, so uh, I got a uh, obviously Nanduri NFL. I do a lot of work with uh, with Matt Kelly over at Roto Underworld, and he put out this book called the dynasty dominator that he was nice enough to send me as a uh, early Christmas present. So obviously anybody following the podcast that's into dynasty, at least give it a look, check it out. Um, I know it's available on Amazon and a few other places. Uh, we do the decision point, but obviously uh, me and Matt, obviously the people that we work with, whether it's Larky and code breaker or Cody Carpentier or, or any of the other people that we work with at Roto underworld, they're all really, 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 really good at what they do. And, um, I think that one of the the funnest things about, you know, being on Twitter and and doing all the stuff that we do is is getting to help people with, you know, questions about, you know, I, I get Browns fans all the time. Can we sign Baker Mayfield? That's a loaded question, but sure, I'll, I'll give you my two cents about it. And I think that's kind of the most fun that I have with with uh, what we do over here. Uh, I, as the OG and I took a ration of shit for a long time as the OG Baker skeptic. <laughs> and, and and I got this and, and I know we're wrapping this one up, but and I, I'm getting the same thing about Tua. I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting Hawaiian Baker Mayfield vibes from Tua. Because <laughs> Tua was awesome when he was kicking the dog shit out of a, a COVID rattled uh Saints team and and the Falcons and the Jets and all of those teams, but the minute that the playoffs are on the line and you got to go play a real defense that can take that RPO away from you, you looked awful limited. Yeah. So as the as one of the OG, first of all, I've always said this about players and people that I evaluate. First of all, if I think someone's going to be a bust or not going to, and I don't want to say bust, if I think someone's not going to meet expectations, my true hope is that that young man proves me wrong. Same. The, 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 the last thing I want to be is right about someone's career. I want everybody to get the bag. I want everyone to be successful. But I know the listeners of this podcast and the listeners to your content as well, they're counting on us to help them get it right. It's not about being right. It's about getting it right yep. so we can help you draft the right player. So, yeah, you don't have to sell me on Baker. You know what? What's weird is I soften my stance. I'm like, okay, Baker's got a really tough schedule this year. He plays the – he plays the NFC North, so he's going to play the Vikings. He's going to play the Packers. He's going to have to throw the ball more. Uh, the The Bengals are going to be better. The Ravens are going to be better. Steelers can score. All right, Baker's not going to be able to rely so much on Chubb. He should have a, a good QB two season. So I finally give this man just a I give him an inch, and he makes me look like a moron. So, um, but hey, n- none of us get them all right. I was a Sam Donald guy too, so you, you don't get them all right. But uh, I mean, I, I think I did it right by by reaching out, getting you on the podcast, and, and having you join us for a little bit, just talking football. And man, what a great way to get our guest season kicked off! Now that we're past the uh, fantasy regular season. Thanks for thanks again for having me, man. I had a great time, especially because most of the time I spend is on redraft and and uh, mostly like NFL, NFL stuff. So it was really nice to take uh, take a little bit different angle and talk a little dynasty for a while. Thanks again for having me. No, no problem. And I think you're selling yourself short because every time I, I, I'm telling you, I, that's why I listen to the decision point is a dynasty gamer. You have to listen to that show because it gets my dynasty wheels spinning to hear on and talk about the real NFL and how it relates to what we do as dynasty. It's a huge benefit. Check him out 
at Nanduri NFL on Twitter. I'll retweet him. Uh, but on behalf of that man, his name again is Anand Nanduri. My name is at DWZ Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here uh, with, a, with a new guest and uh, hopefully Jerry. Thanks for putting up with the uh, the sound quality. And if you watched on YouTube, I really apologize for the, uh, the soon-to-be-renovated studio. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. Tell us a little bit about Hate Brand. When did that start, and uh, how are things going with it? Things are good, man. Uh, that started in October of 2014, so now, give or take, seven years into doing whatever this thing is. And um, that's apparel company I started then and wanted to start making some clothes that I wanted to wear is really where it started. It start, and, uh, did it start more with you writing something first? Like yeah, you, like yeah. uh, Was it like an ebook or something that you put out, or...? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a book, and then we made an ebook. So I wrote a book in 2010 of uh, how to train for the Highland Games, called Training Lab. And one of the sections I wrote about in the book is called the Hate. And this was just this kind of personal philosophy I had that my brother and I had spoke about, um, just with athletes that we admired. And it was these guys that just, you know, still on top, still still willing to do the work to get better. That it seemed their concern was always about them getting better to their standard and mm. not about what had to do with anyone else. So they didn't hate and other people. This idea that you, you see those guys get up in the morning on like 4 a.m. And it's, yo, that dude hates himself more than me. That guy's <laughs> willing to put in the work. He's willing to do it. And so from that point on, it was about like, I'm all right with getting beaten by someone better than me, but I'm not willing to be outworked. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.